same old problem. <laughs> Policing my queer body. <laughs> Why do you mention your queer body? Like in conversation between me and you, you're like, you're policing my queer body. <laughs> Is that your body? It's like, that's your defining, your body's defining characteristic in our interaction. Is that your body? No, is you're queer... just. Yeah, I just, I don't like your performative heterosexuality. <laughs> oh, my performative heterosexuality. What, what, okay, let's get into this. What, what would, what would you say is my performative heterosexuality? Oh my God, okay, okay. Well, beyond me just being a shithead who's making excuses for my own bad behavior. I'm playing the victim. Uh, performative heterosexuality. Like, you'll need to impose some form of order onto yeah. the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I love this. I want I want you to come up with more reasons. More reasons. This is great. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay, wait. Okay. Right, why are you performatively heterosexual? Okay, you're, you're bad lighting on Zoom right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I have, the lighting, I have the lighting of a dick pic <laughs> right now. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> <laughs> a, a dick pic that is on the down low. Straight man, you're lighting. Yeah, like married, <laughs> married, curious guy on grinder. Yeah, and then like in the background of the dick pic is one of the children's toys. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so you know you're breaking up a happy home, but you don't know if you're the first. <laughs> I think it's we're, we're very rarely the first, are we? Like, I, like, I feel like like married curious guy on Grinder is definitely getting more than I am right now. I'm 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 just entertaining the notion of celibacy at this point. I'm just like, uh, for for multiple reasons, but like, yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, how about let's just celibacy? Let's just do just like, yeah, yeah. I have no sort of like ideological commitment to celibacy. I That's think your it's problem. Just, that's a problem. No ideological commitment. Go out there and get some. Yeah, I think it's just that's why you can possibly heterosexual. You have no, you have no ideas of your own. You're just f- playing out the, the ones of your parents. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're so right. Beyond a good healthy dose of Bolshevism, so you know, take a pinch of salt there. Did you, a healthy dose of Bolshevism? Did you say? Yeah. Apart yeah. from a healthy dose of Bolshevism, oh yeah, yeah. A pinch of salt. Pinch yeah, of salt. Yeah. It's all conjecture. Yeah, I like. I think for me, like celibacy is something that's just been sort of like, uh, ironically enough, thrust upon me uh, because uh, by the current situation. I'm just like, oh, it's so boring yeah. though. Remember human yeah, touch? Vaguely, and not always with positive memories. No, yeah, uh... a lot of the time it's crap. <laughs> this is kind of it. I'm like actually just being really horny has rarely got me satisfactory sex i think that i would have had the same level of satisfactory sex regardless of how horny i was so just being horny it's just this process of just being you know it's, it's just it would go deep in deep in sobriety when you're just like being like ah like all the times that i was like drinking and like desperate for another drink at a party didn't actually improve my experience of that party mm-hmm. um i could have actually just been there and enjoyed myself and it's like so, but like, I'm a very sex, as a sex positive person, also a, and a Scorpio, I'm a very sex orientated person. And it's like, what if I actually take, what if I, you know, just take some time to just step away from that actively? Because also it's not like there's some really hot, beautiful person that I've met who I'm like, who is like making a move on me right now and is not going to be for some time. I predict. Yeah. 
It's funny because as you talk about this, I guess your your background is really good. And while I look like uh, a down low, uh, bi curious <laughs> dick pic, you look really hot. <laughs> so as you <laughs> the irony of you talking about like, yeah, nothing's really happening. It's like this is the best you've looked in ages. <laughs> That's so unfair, it's- right? It's because I've got I've got a blue screen, a backlight right now. Ah. I've got like a I've got a th- I have a three point lighting system going on right here, and then not only do I have like a white light as well, I then also have a yellow one here, which gives me a healthy radiant glow. Yeah, I think it's like you have a halo. You have the halo you've always deserved. Yeah, like Bonnie Tyler. Ah, uh, that's why you look okay. I couldn't work out why you look like Bonnie Tyler, but it's that okay. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing, faster than the speed of night. That's what her album's called. I thought it was Faster Than The Speed Of Light. No, no, no. Faster Than The... No, no, it's a pun. Of course it's a pun. Faster Than The Speed... That's actually... I think Faster Than The Speed Of Night is one of the songs and the album is called like... uh, Oh, it's something really ridiculous and very Catholic that's like... The the, the eternal blow... Like burning flame and the the damnation of the heart. Yeah. She has a really, really good... A song that would be really good for a camp number, which is like, If You Were A Woman And I Was A Man. Don't even. I was listening to that the other day and I was like, this is the best song for drag. Like, oh my God. I really want like a really talented, like old school traditional drag queen to do that number. Like it would just be so good. Yeah. I can't wait to be like a really old, really talented, old school traditional drag queen. I'm going to be, when I'm like 60, I'm going to be showing like gen generation, what Ypsilon, um, or like generation, the generation, generation Ypsilon is Generation Y, which is us. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's like this is when um, when it goes all oh, Greek. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> I was thinking like when, uh, yeah, I just was it. Uh, a more appropriate character would have just been saying that like the name of Grimes' baby when that that baby's name is the generation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be there doing like Shirley Bassey numbers in a sequin gown, and like the kids are gonna be like, "What is this? How good would it be if that baby ate its parents?" Really, really, really good. Right? Really good. Pretty There's good suggestion really... for a dick pic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Elon Musk recently just posted a tweet being like, it was like a, a really bad CGI thing of like, uh, of uh, like a doctor's thing of like back pain. And it said uh, like me, and then it just had the time, um, me after carrying around this huge cock all day. Elon Musk posted that. On his Twitter. What a fucking loser. Yeah, but also as well, kind of one of the world's winners because he was born into a family that owned an emerald mine from South Africa. <laughs> well, well, I'm sure there's no skeletons in that family's closet. <laughs> <laughs> they Holy paid shit. a lot of money to have them all cleaned out by yeah. someone else. Yeah, there was. remember there was that thing uh, that was like, no, it was a, a meme or something. It was like, no, you're not ugly. You're just poor. And it just showed all of these really rich people before they were totally rich and what they looked like before they had work done. And one of them was yeah. Elon Musk and he's had hair transplant and like, I don't know, fillers or something like that. So that he looks like, like hot for a lizard, I think is how I would <sighs> des- like describe his look like hot for a lizard. Um, but before he was, he was looking terrible and they showed Kim Kardashian before she's had work done and stuff. It's like rich. There's a lot that you can do with money. Yeah. 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 I know. I also saw like, what would you get done? I know. I used to be really body positive when I was younger and I was like, I'll never get anything done. And then I started getting old and I was like, oh dear. Um, 
Mainly, well, there's this thing that you can get that's quite not, you know, basically there's this thing that's like a more invasive version of drag queen lifts. Like, you know how you get those like sticky things that like lift mm-hmm. your eyebrow? Well, I've got really greasy skin, so nothing ever stays stuck with me too long. That's mm-hmm. why I can do quite intense things with duct tape. Um, <laughs> like, because everything eventually, like I try and get things to stick to me and they just won't. So I can I can never be bothered with those lifts. Uh, but there's a way that they can like surgically do it, which just feels like, like, you know, just committing to drag to me. Um, but, uh, but then also as well, like a part of me just feels like maybe instead of like cosmetic surgery, I just want to get more tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, I think when it comes to like surgery and stuff like that, it's kind of like, it's important or it's helpful to think of it in terms of like being like drag makeup rather than bridal makeup because like bridal <laughs> bridal makeup is to make like to fix your problems and make you look uh correct on your special day whereas drag makeup yeah. is like this is like a technology that i will use to alter the way that i look intimidate um, men exactly exactly and so um and well so like, and then you're like hmm why won't they sleep with me yeah oh, oh wait i'm actively attempting to intimidate them <laughs> But, oh my god thing is though is that like Gen Z posts so many things about wanting to sleep with Mothman and all this shit and I'm like there is my demographic <laughs> <laughs> problem is they're all in Ohio shout out to all our listeners in Ohio oh I just thought there's, there's um, there was a city uh, uh, people, there's lots of people listening to us in Birmingham I'm Birmingham! Oh! Yeah. Oh my god, it made, that's going to be Aaron Wright and Fierce Festival. I love you. Yeah. Also, I think so, anyway. Well, I've been meaning to give a shout out. We have a very uh, like devoted listener, according to the metrics, <laughs> who is Laurel. We love you, Laurel. Thank you for listening. We love you, to Laurel! <laughs> Thank you, Laurel! So, <laughs> <laughs> this is our first episode of the new year. Um, and so, we we decided that we wanted to go with the theme hope. Um, yeah, I'm pulling a really distrustful face right now because we're actually recording this on New Year's Eve. So Olympia's just lying to you. We're still in 2020. <laughs> it's all lies. It's all smoke and mirrors, okay? Maybe it's being released, but like, we're going to release it on Thursday instead of a Monday because this is a throwback. We're still in the cursed time. <laughs> but get this, get this. Hmm, it's changed. It's a new year. Is it really a new year? Are all your problems solved? Or is it still just another part? Well, anyway, you don't need me complaining about that. Sorry, where were we? (laughs) Hope. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we were were talking about hope. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure there was like a couple of kids. Like there was, I've met a number of kids from council estates and it was named after that. So one of them was the one I grew up on. Yeah, I I I went to school with a girl called Harmony, and it was like it's hard to tell. Spelled with two e's. No, no, no. It was like it was spelled like the standard spelling, but it's hard to tell. But looking back, she, she was a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and so, oh wait, like because I was very young, and like maybe she was fine because I was like five or six or something. Um, but she she accused me of pushing someone off a bunk bed, which I didn't do. Um, and then I got in trouble for it. And the whole time I was like, I wouldn't do that. And I was so, I was so surprised to be called out on something like that. Yeah. Cause I was actually a very peaceful and gentle, like child, like when I was quite yeah. young, like primary school was a big shock to me. 
Um, and yeah. so then all of a sudden I was accused of doing violence to another child. And I was like, uh, I was really shocked. Um, and then I was like, maybe I did push him off because uh, I don't remember doing it, but everyone seems certain that I've done this. Um, yeah. And then always growing up, whenever I heard the word harmony, I was like, fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> You fucking bitch, Harmony. You fucking bitch. Yeah. You know, my friend once heard, uh, like, when I was, like, before I was a drag queen, so I was, like, 18, and in the Peel, which is this um, pub in Melbourne, uh, like Mm. a gay and sometimes drag bar, um, that, like, he heard two drag queens having a fight out the front of the Peel, and then one of them stormed away and went to walk inside and turned around and said over her shoulder, you're a bitch, Destiny a bitch and then walked away <laughs> and we were all like this is what like before we were all drag queens we we're like wow drag queens are amazing you're a bitch destiny a bitch <laughs> you're a bitch <laughs> you're a bitch yeah <laughs> which brings I, us back like, to hope because hope is like a like a, a certain desire for a destiny right harmony destiny and hope yeah wow so I wanted to ask you, as I very often do, what do you hope for this year? You so can't can say... You, oh, what did you say? Wait, 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 what can't I say? You can't say uh, hitting children because you already said that that was... Oh, yeah, I do like hitting children. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I just like to be, you know, just walking around and someone just jumps out and fucks me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, listen to my voice. (laughs) (laughs) But like in a sexy way. Yeah, Like, you know how like in the Pink Panther, like the guy has like got that manservant that like jumps out and attacks him and that keeps his like thoughts out, uh, keeps him, like you arrange like some like BDSM relation. Actually, just, yeah, I would like a BDSM dom. That's what I want for my life. I want someone to just like chain me up and whip me. Great. That's a great For a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for a while. Yeah, obviously it would be Each good week. if that ended. Yeah, N- yeah, but not any, you know, like a long while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to just, I want to like, I want to like, I want to go, I want to like transcend time in this. I like go, you know. I love that like we're going into, we're going into the second year of a pandemic. Uh, we're about to enter the big, biggest depression uh, since the, the last depression, which like was a big precursor to World War Two. And when I ask you what you hope for, you're like, fucking. <laughs> yeah, fucking. <laughs> it's about time that you got yours. <laughs> I know, I'm also as well, I'm also doing with the idea of celibacy so that my hope can be freed up for other things. Maybe I could like manifest world peace, but like. I'm, I'm not like celibacy as an idea. I'm I'm not into because I'm living it like celibacy is like <laughs> yeah, because you're already celibate like yeah, yeah. you the things is like like you're miss there's a huge moral high ground you're missing out on right now ah oh, because I could be saying like well I am I'm ce- celibate <laughs> I could be I could be saying that but like yeah I don't want anyone listening to this podcast to think that I have any sort of like real attachments to celibacy because then they're less likely to proposition me you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just I've come a bit like, oh my god! Wait, shout out to Moritz, who is the first listener of ours I found on Grinder. Oh wow, great! Yeah, who um who uh 
uh, who said all the good. Am I supposed to pretend to not know who you are? And I was like, oh my God, I don't know. Do you know who I am? I don't. <laughs> and, uh, but still, they, uh, yep, still, uh, that, that didn't, uh, that didn't actually create a follow through. So, uh, this is, we're the wrong kind of famous group. Because it's like, other yeah. kinds of famous people are like, oh, amazing, blah, blah, blah. But like being a drag queen, people fangirl you. And then like, and, and then it's also, it's creepy to be like, so, like, I don't know. I feel, I just feel conflicted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> is this just a podcast about sex? I am so horny. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, like, uh, but I've been recognized. I've been recognized. Well, I I get recognized on Grinder all the time, but like, I've been recognized from this podcast on Grinder, and it was really nice. They were like, "When's the new episode coming out?" And so that I do. Yeah, I love it when people write to me about this podcast. Even, uh, even, if, even if it's not an offer of sex. <laughs> yeah, no, Jodie. What I like about people liking this podcast is I'm like, I'm like, wow, you really had to go out there to, to access this as well. It's like, you, it's like you're, uh, yeah. And it, 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 I'm like, oh, yeah, you're someone who genuinely does have good taste. Yeah. Yeah. Because we are niche. <laughs> we are niche. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was sorry, but what do you call a queer? What do you call a queer niche? What? Quiche. <laughs> oh my god! I can always tell when you're about to deliver a terrible joke from your I, facial I expression. I know, and you're also you're, really bad. You always start to say it and then Quiche. pause and then like rearrange it and then deliver it. It's like thanks for yeah. that, babe. <laughs> do you like our? I'm sorry, but everyone loves our quiche here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon everyone, where is here? Like this podcast, you know, and yeah. maybe maybe you didn't read this, but I said in a description recently, I think it was on, um, uh, uh, it was on, I can't remember which episode, but I described us as two drag queens trapped in a podcast's body. Ah, that is definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Body without organs, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I've really got an image. Like, you know an American pie when he fucks the apple pie? Mm-hmm. That yeah. was our quiche. That, that's our quiche. Yeah, that's our quiche. <laughs> so, it's like, <laughs> what, I'm, I'm confused about what our quiche is. But are you, So some entity that we share is just a fucked quiche. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I can see I Imagine that. a quiche with a hole in it. If someone fucked a quiche, would you still eat it? I completely would. Do I... If it was a good quiche. Depend... Who's the person that fucked it? Someone sexy. You're at a sex party and there's a buffet. Do I know the person? Uh, you know, but you met them at... Uh, you met them at FKK and Hassenheider. Are they kind? Yes. Yeah, I'd eat the quiche. But they have questionable personal hygiene. You know that that's my kryptonite. I, like, I wouldn't eat the quiche. I would leave. <laughs> <laughs> But it's the first sex party you've been to after lockdown. If someone tells me that there's someone in that sex space that hasn't showered today, I'm already leaving. <laughs> like, you really missed the red flag there of FKK at Hassenheider, didn't you? I go there and I shower. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, you know, the exception proves the rule. Yeah, yeah. 
I uh, no, I just look at that and I think it's automatically dusty whenever I see it. The quiche? <laughs> no, it hasn't either. I do. I guess I realise. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So is that what you're saying? You hope for in someone hot. You hope that they've been recently washed. Yes. Actually, very much. Very much. I have to say, one of the things I hope for is that I hope they do not have dick cheese. Yeah, I think that's just the really crass way of saying what I was saying. Yeah, no, but the thing is, though, is that you're like somewhere, like you're floating on top of the barrel and this is like way, way <laughs> much further down. <laughs> it's not quite at the bottom. <laughs> Yeah. But it's like in the yeah, ecology, yeah. in the ecology of high. Look, let's just face it. The ecology of hygiene. I am a bit distinctly lower. I wish that I wasn't so finicky about it, but I just am. Yeah, it's not that I don't like body smells, but I like body smells from bodies that have been washed today. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. Me too. I just like yeah, like uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think. But the thing is, though, right, is that there's like I think that if there's just something. Do you ever just say to the person, hey, do you want to get in the shower together if they're a bit stinky? No, no, no. And you I... wonder why you don't get laid? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know why. There's a pandemic and I don't really, I don't want to do it. <laughs> That's well, This is just... <laughs> That's it's. There's no great mystery. It's not like why isn't this happening? Like I'm a faggot in Berlin. <laughs> like, like the reason that I, I'm not having sex is because I don't want to risk getting coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah, it is like a really big new STI. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> this makes me think. This is the worst segue ever. Um, yeah. Uh, like. I think actually, I think you said that your your wish was for, to. Oh no! I asked Cheryl this. Cheryl said that her wish for next year was to um, uh, have sex without fear of anything other than an STI. <laughs> so she wanted to have sex without yeah. fear of coronavirus. So she wanted to have sex without being afraid, except for STIs, which she's used to feeling afraid of. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like a coronavirus <coughs> condom. I would like us all to have gigantic human-sized condoms that come mm. pre-lubed, that we open and we roll over ourselves and we walk down the streets and we look like uh, Halloween ghosts only in gigantic pieces of damp latex. Yeah. That's, a, that's <laughs> beautiful. You know what I realised? I just realised what I hope for next year, mm. which is that I hope to be able to worry less. I want my anxiety levels to go down. Mm. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think like lower anxiety levels would be, uh, would be, uh, good. Um, I just got a massage earlier, which is amazing because like I've just had been drinking so much caffeine mm-hmm. and sitting at my desk, either writing or surfing the internet, surfing the web, or doing a podcast or being on Zoom, and then getting up, going to my kitchen. And like making a cup of coffee to then sit there at my kitchen table and watch TV. I just feel like I'm made of right angles. Like my body was full of corners. And it's just like, I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, like, uh, I just realized as well, like I'm just tensing in, in, in a nothing position for no reason. Mm. Just tense. Yeah. Caffeine's actually a lot stronger than you would think it would be. I, cause I can't yeah. drink caffeine at the moment because it, um, uh, 
it. Oh, that's another thing I hope for. I hope for my PTSD symptoms to go away more because they're, oh, because like, yeah, I guess because they're, they're going away quite a bit. But I like, I still have this every now and then this tightness in my chest and my throat, like at, where it's painful. And if I drink coffee, it makes it much worse. So I just can't drink it anymore. Like I'm too traumatized mm. to drink coffee, which is a weird sentence to say, but it is true. And I can drink it yeah. in the afternoon. But like, and then it doesn't give me, so I can have max one in the afternoon. But if I drink it in the morning, I have really bad and like more propensity to have like, uh, like, um, like very mild flashbacks where like, like I just like have unpleasant thoughts. Um, mm. But uh, our listeners don't know that it, uh, I, I got glasses. Oh yeah, you don't, yes, yeah, so they so, don't know that you have glasses. Yeah, so I, I got glasses and now I can see properly again. So that actually, yeah. it, it's great. That's, uh, that's that problem ticked off the box. Oh yeah, 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 PTSD. No, I just need glasses. But yeah. also the PTSD to go away as well, just like. Yeah, it's a very, very sort of like 2020, like conundrum. Like, have I lost my vision because I've lost my vision or have I lost it because... Uh, or because my eyesight is degrading or have I lost it because uh, I have PTSD and then then when it's like no no you just have steadily degrading vision it's like yay <laughs> so it could be said that your vision was not 2020 <laughs> <laughs> that was good I'll pay that I like that. I really wanted to do a, a beauty <coughs> pageant maybe I'll just do it now this year I want to do a beauty pageant called Miss 2020 oh gloop you have to do that yeah, and the winner was going to be a 2020 vision, but like, I think in the moment, like now the year's gone by, we can do it. And then the, the winner will win. It'll be on Zoom mm. and the winner will win 20 euros, 20 cents. I'll pay it myself. Great idea. I love that. Um, yeah. You know, one thing that I was thinking about, because uh, like with this theme, is that very often when people talk to me, when they begin to be interested in socialism, it's like this question, this like, question that people always ask is like, do you really believe that like uh, another system would be possible? Like, or do you really believe that like, um, that like, like, do like, can you actually hope for this? And I think this is a really. Okay. Yeah. Actually, no. Yeah. This is a really, sorry. No, no. I want to, I want to ask you, like, do you have hope for it? Oh my God. Okay. Wait. So first of all, let's just unpack. So this is just it. When I say I want to literally just be like, physically beaten it's because I'm just like so overwhelmed now I actually have certain things I'm basically I'm I've begun work on a set of uh short stories set in a comicratic world which mm -hmm. is like uh because I believe that the, the use of fancy narrative that we can actually begin to humanize uh I, various ideas and different dreams and stuff because basically as well is that we have <clears throat> a, like so many different things but I watched a really good uh, thing called by some people called pro cult it was so funny it was like an hour and a half long it was like these like media uh student marxists being like the capitalism like barbarity and, blah, blah, blah. and it's just like really it makes you feel like you're a 17 year old leftist again but i actually really enjoyed it and um it's great so first of all let's just unpack the idea do you think another system is possible it's like no Nothing, nothing could possibly be possible apart from the possible that we have right now. It's just like... That's capitalist this is, realism, right? This idea. Yeah, it's also that. It's also as well, you can just take what Sarah Shulman said. Uh, uh, yeah, Sarah Shulman's uh, notion, it's the gentrification of your imagination. 
mm-hmm. as well, where we have like a, so, uh, like a homogenization of desires and possibilities, and that uh, where we can't actually we don't have anything happening outside of the the norm of our lives. And that's why people like to say things like, oh, the dark thoughts are like hedonistic and like utopian places and stuff like that. But they, um, because it's the chance you have to experience something else. And we used to have other ways of experiencing things. And it's also that when you go to a protest that then basically manages, that has a confrontation with the police and then the protesters overcome the police, you have this experience of ulteriority happening. You, you're suddenly like, oh my God, actually these things are different or someone at a protest smashes a window and you're like, this is so violent. But then it's like, you're actually the, this is seeing this and understanding that this is an act that can be experienced as violent, but we can't seem to experience a series of decisions that uh, harm the working classes as violent, D- decisions that shorten the lifespan of disabled people, violent decisions that make families and people like that starve and like lose opportunities or people getting dispossessed because of these things uh, or dispossessed of their homes. We don't experience these things as violent. We experience these things as being thoroughly normal. So that, that basically, um, it's also as well that I think that, uh, that for how much, how dramatically worse everything has got in the last like 10 to 20 years should be abundantly obvious as to how something else is possible. We are experiencing new possibilities of our real every single day. Mm-hmm. Like... You know, we this I, the administrative state of capitalism is falling apart right in front of us because like a minority of the elite are driving it in that way, and there's a lot of other people invested who are like, no, we need this administration like back in order. Now, but then, is this something that we can um, that we can <clears throat> yeah, so that we can hope for? Like, um, uh, we need to. So in this pro thing as well, I'm I have some wonderful information for you that's gonna maybe burst your bubble a bit about the idea of the Green New Deal. Mm -hmm. The Green New Deal requires, is like this idea that is, the Green New Deal is basically just green capitalism. It's just green corporatism. And it's like this idea that we can have a green, um, a new green planet or something like that. Or this Green New Deal, but and we're going to have loads of uh, wind turbines and all these things. We're going to have these solar panels and stuff. This requires a 115% increase in the amount of metal extraction from the world and it would also require a 150 percent increase in the mineral extraction of the world and resource extraction currently counts for 50 percent of all carbon (coughs) carbon emissions not only that these minerals and metals do not exist in the first world countries that are proposing the green new deal but they exist in third world countries so it's also an imperialistic thing Whereas what we can hope for, something that would completely transform this, is shifting from a metal and mineral economy into a plant-based economy. And so this is something that I would hope for, that we shift it to a plant-based economy, and specifically hemp. Hemp can be used to grow for over 250,000 different products. It could be used to make plastics. It can be used to make toilet paper that is automatically white and doesn't need bleaching. It makes cotton fabric, loads of things. And one acre of hemp in six months pulls 15 tonnes of carbon out of the atmosphere. But how would hemp replace metal? Uh, This is not where I thought this was going. (laughs) Yeah, uh, because you can... It doesn't have to replace, like, not every single metal thing, but it's also as well as that rather than, like, you know, like, not every single... Like, obviously, won't completely erase using metal, but it's kind of like... uh, First of all, lots of metals can be... You can recycle metal from other things, but also as well that then... But it's shifting the focus of the economy onto a plant... Basically, we need to shift onto a plant-based economy. 
Okay. And yeah. I would say I'm totally convinced of that, but like I haven't read what you've read. It's a, it's a, it's a very surprising proposition. Um, but mm. I I think one thing that I think is particularly useful in the Green New Deal is that like to go back to what we said about uh, like the idea of a transitional demand. Not that I like mm. accept this program, yeah. uh, but like uh, the, but that the Green New Deal is a demand that changes something through the demand like it like it mm. shifts the realms of the possible so it allows people to actually hope for something different so i think this is like uh like one of the big things that's useful about it but um yeah <clears throat> the, well, it's interesting because just the, uh the paris accord every target has been missed by every signatory on it yeah absolutely absolutely yeah it's, so there does need to be some kind of like reworking of this yeah and I like so then uh, leaving aside the, like uh, the Green New Deal, like and I like having a more sort of um, broad idea of so there is a way to fix uh, like to, to ameliorate the effects of global heating uh, and, and, mm. and like uh, ecological um, breakdown uh, and also to um, uh, yeah, I've just got to stop being so hot. <laughs> Yeah that, yeah, that was another one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean... And then at the same time, like, through doing that, I think the idea, like, the basic idea of a Green New Deal, that, like, you have, like, uh, like, like, uh, like a, a, um, an attempt to ameliorate the effects, the effects of environmental destruction, and that that, at the same time, addresses key elements of justice in, uh, like, in social life and, and internationally. So if that's possible... So like, sure, we know, like, I, I think I always answer to people when they ask if I think it's possible or that they, they call, call me an idealist or something like this, um, or like a blind optimist, um, is that like, what we can say for sure is that this system will end. Like the way that capitalism mm. works, it's not sustainable on a finite planet for it to continue infinitely. Like it will end. So, um, so it's actually the most naive and the most blindly optimistic position yeah. um, is that things will continue as they are. So they very much will change. And so then that leaves us with the thing that there are, there are many possible futures, right? And that the things mm -hmm. that we do can affect those futures. Like on a bigger or smaller scale, it is just a, like, it is also a fact that human action can have some change on the future. Now, the then people, but people then answer that it's very uh, unlikely, um, uh, like that that this would happen. Do you think that something needs to be likely in order to hope for it? Uh, I think that the the idea of that it's unlikely uh, gives people an excuse not to take on the responsibility of hoping for it. Like can you, can just to you be say perfectly. Something? Yeah, to be perfectly blunt, it's like, the thing is, right, is that um, <clears throat> we spend, uh, you know what I think that inspires hope is seeing a child. And, and being allowed to hit it? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Don't make my palms itchy. <laughs> No, children are intrinsically hopeful, I think. Like, there's something about a child because they're actually very bright and they're very engaging in the world and stuff like that. And, like, 
you know, uh, and, and, you know, as much as I want to hit them, I mean, I also want to throw my phone off a, off a bridge when I walk over it and I manage not to. So, um, but good uh, on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, but yeah, I think it's like, so people, it's, it's, it's seeing a child is like, there's little children and stuff like that. And they're like, oh my God, so exciting. And then when you see that, you're like, oh my God, you know, you, you want to just give this child like affirmations often unless you're me but most people generally pretty much everyone wants to because the thing is everyone wants to give the children affirmations and then critique the adults who are trying to act out on those affirmations when you say to a children like you can be whatever you want to be and you can change the world and do all these things and all this wonderful stuff and like basically people say that because also they themselves have actually given up on this mm-hmm. in themselves mm-hmm. and so they want to pass this on because they actually still they can't they can't actually function without some sort of sense of the possible. Because it's kind of like, otherwise you get to a closed system. Like, this is why, like, churches and religions are sort of just kind of places of, and all forms of spirituality are fundamentally places of just lack and absence. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, uh, and the, it, there's, it's necessary, because the thing is as well is that when you, it's also when you take away every people's sense of hope, that's when you get riots. Yeah, that's true. You know, I, it reminds me, people, like, when uh, boomers tell me, like, yeah, it's going to be your, like, it's going to be your generation that fixes this, um, I get really, like, and I don't believe that a generational uh, analysis is the correct one. Like, obviously, I think it, like, it needs to come back to a class analysis. It's not like boomers who ruined yeah. the world. It's, the, it's like, it's the bourgeoisie. Um, but, yeah. uh, but. When people say this to me, it's like, you are literally still alive. Like, you're, yeah. you're, you're saying, like, because, like, in our lifespans, it, like, if we live a long life, we could well see the first wars over water. I think, you know, I think, like, there's a good chance that we could see that. And so, like, and, mm. like, boomers probably won't, right? Because this is just, like, a matter of logistics. Um, so... When someone says to me, oh, you're the generation that's going to do that, it's like, you're fucking still alive. And there are still demos that you could be going to. There's still things that you could be getting involved in. And like, yeah. to then to say, it's your generation that's going to do that. Like, also the Fridays for Future movement, which is not like our generation. It's like, you know, like, mm. it's like, it's uh, like, uh, like, I guess younger millennials and Gen Zs, um, like, have also expressed this that it's really patronizing and fucking annoying when people are like you're going to be the ones that like uh that like that fix this as though as though it's just like because now that i own my own house um (laughs) which is something that you will that you will never be able to do um i like i would like to enjoy it and relax a bit it's like no that's not okay it's like so it's also there's a a really lazy way of having hope as well because like in also like hoping like looking at the child and having hope which is to go like that child will fix my problems (laughs) yeah this kid's gonna fix my problems yeah and it's like oh you're gonna do all these amazing things ah i would have done this if i had that and it's just kind of like, and then so it's sort of this, um, I mean, because also as well, like in so many ways, so many things that I was hopeful for, like I find, you know, I have ways to make my art and do things and and I have spent a lot of my 20s has basically, my entire 20s, I don't actually really enjoy my 20s a huge amount. Um, and there's, there were uh, best of times, worst of times, etc. But something that I did do within that was, find ways uh, lots of the frustrations that i experienced i've translated into the fact that i feel that very confident about the fact that i will have a lifelong artistic practice and that um that 
also as well is that lots of the uh, and it's also, but then growing older, I know I just see that there's just certain things about the way the structures of adulthood and aging and maturation that we have are ones that seek to to cause a stasis. And it's also as well as a lot of the ways, a lot of my ability to engage in the immediate uh, in immediate activism and stuff like that has been completely just decimated, and I've been completely burnt out yeah. uh, from this. And it's like, and I can't. I can't engage in it anymore. And this is, this is, uh, basically a systemic process that, uh, that, you know, when you're young and you're full of energy, you try and change the world. And then there's certain, uh, structures and there's things never seem to quite line up all these sorts of things. And then you go like, ah, it doesn't work. And then like, you have to work on, you know, you have to start like getting uh, serious about like serious quote unquote about things. You have to start focusing on your career and like, you know, being like, are doing like real stuff in that like real stuff which is actually sustaining okay which this real stuff is basically sustaining the fantasy life of a series of uh elites like they the wealth of billionaires had increased by 1.9 trillion yeah the wealth in of, 2020 yeah i think it was the wealth of the top one percent in australia has increased by 50 percent uh during 2020 yeah, that's just Rupert Murdoch is like bumping up both of those things and mining um, and mining. Oh, it's also that the world is actually in debt three times over what its global economy is. I so have no idea what it, that means. <laughs> it means that if the world, if everyone had to pay back everything that they owe, and the world was to pay back what it owes, it still would owe twice as much more as it just paid back. So that's what uh, debt fight. That's because we have debt financed economies. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, for example, all the so that we have debt financed economies, and it's also as well that there's a process of like be, in people be like, it's also this child like, what do you want to be when you grow up? But ah, I want to do this, I want to do that. Be like, oh, you're going to need to go to university, and then to do that, you're going to have to take on all this debt, and then what you're going to do is debt encumbered workers don't go on strike. So that's why both programs of uh, not free university and also home ownership have been post, pu- pushed all across the Anglosphere. Oh my God. Okay. You know, so like... Breaking it, it down! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, this makes me think like um, whether you actually need hope. Like, because I feel like... I think someone was asked me... I was asked about this twice recently and I came to the conclusion that you don't need hope in order to carry on. And I had this after my breakup when I was like... Um, when I was really devastated uh, and I guess I I knew that at some point I wouldn't continue to feel this bad Um, like I I knew that that was true but it didn't feel that way it felt like I was going to feel that way forever and I couldn't hope that things would get easier so all I would all I did was like put one foot in front of the other and just like um, just sort of like hang on to it but it didn't yeah it didn't feel like hope but hang on to this idea that this pain wouldn't last forever and i feel like that's been a i i then i I then used that again after i was attacked uh i used it Mm. again after i developed ptsd it's been quite a year for me (laughs) yeah Um, and it's like the i like hope has just sort of like seemed like a luxury and my mother also spoke about this when i interviewed her for this work that it's like Hope is a very hard thing to have, but like you, like you don't always need it. And I feel like this is what keeps me invested in sort of like reading about and discussing um, uh, like the, the possibility of a different way of organizing things is that it's like I don't necessarily have hope 
um, uh, like that this will turn out the way that I want it to. Uh, but that just doesn't really seem relevant. Like I know that it is possible and it just seems deeply irresponsible to not yeah. do something towards that. Um, like you don't need a positive motivation to move into the future. And the reason I proposed hope as an idea is I was like, I'm not actually mm. sure of that because maybe I just like have depression and it's hard. It's easier for me to focus on a negative like it's easier for me to focus on a negative impetus than a positive one because those are ones that can endure in a depressed state um yeah so like and it's a way for me that it's just like sort of like grit or determination as opposed to like hope as this like beautiful thing that we can hold on to that can sustain us in dark times because in dark times i don't think that i managed to to maintain hope yeah but actually i mean like i all i have to do is i have to just look at myself and i see that i'm made of light because actually there is uh, the amount of times that I wanted to just kill myself when I was growing up was just ridiculous. And I knew that, uh, like I used to, when I was seven years old, I used to like come home from school. I used to hit my head against the wall and tell my mum to kill me. Like, and then I was like basically queered by a diddling neighbor before I even started high school. And then everyone started yelling gay at each other. And I was like, what does this mean? And they were like, it means this, you. And I was like, I remember thinking like, there at 12 years old like that someone had just shot me in the head and that it was over before it even began and it was just hell i remember yeah, that feeling like that when I, I i was walking home from the pool one day i think i was like 10 and no one had even well people had called me a, people called me a girl until they learned the word for faggot and then they called me that um yeah. which like they were both right, huh? Yep. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> then... Uh, Girl they, fag! <laughs> they, <laughs> but, like, I remember walking home from the pool crying. It came out of nowhere. I was just like, I had this terrible realisation that this thing that people called, talk, like talked about, this gay thing, that I yeah. was it. And that this was going to be really bad news for me. Yeah, and it's like, look, just look, like, now, now you, that 10-year-old you is a very 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 long way away and um it's just like uh yeah like it's like hope it's like i thought that like i would like die in norfolk you know like uh before i was 27 to be honest and it's like uh and the everything that i was worried about with my life is absolutely completely every single thing that i was scared of happening in my life is absolutely completely changed and I'm in a completely different situation at the uh at 30 than I was at 20 like a completely different one so when people say things like do you think it's possible things couldn't be any different it's just like what on earth do you think like do what do you think we're just still like fucking like primordial slime yeah are we still like Oliver Twist are we still like these things like you know it's like the whole everything it's like you're look you have an iPhone in your hand that can do fucking anything, basically. You have an iPhone in your hand that is more advanced than all of the technology put on Star on the Star Wars trilogy put together, okay? And that you used that you in your living age, to so be the same age as me, like had uh, used to have dial up like on your things. There's people, these boomers are like, oh, I just I can't imagine things being different. Using iPhones who used to use phones that di that, that rang round, okay? And it's like you think things can't be different. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, what they... kind of delu Like, what? Yeah. Like, at that point, so it's... In that sense, so it's like... So I hope that people just, like, actually manage to take, like, realistic stock of the situation and they actually just look at, like, hey, look, this is really, really different to how it was and that's not, not in a way that feels good, mm. but this means maybe it could be really, really different to how it is 
and it would feel good. And that's something worth working for. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. I think it also, uh, like, I was thinking about this um, when I was having this, because I really, I really like these questions. When someone, like, genuinely outright sits you down, and because people kind of want to be convinced when they ask you uh, uh, to have these conversations. Um, and, like, someone uh, was asking me, like, yeah, but do you think that this is possible? Do you think that this is likely or something like that? And it comes down to um, sort of like an ethics of knowledge, uh, I haven't sort of properly like it's so like I'm just sketching this broadly, but like it's like what is knowledge for? Like, do we read all of these books? Do we have all these discussions? Do we like go to events and like do we take part in demonstrations? Um, do we join organisations because we want to correctly predict the end of the world, or do we do this because we because we know that there is a like a faint possibility that things could be better faint or not faint who knows we don't like we can't know conclusively that's the whole point uh that there is a possibility that things could be better and like then that like i see knowledge as like knowledge is something that does something like that we mm. can like that we we want this knowledge because it could do something good to the world and to to take this knowledge and this access to this knowledge and all the labor that we put into like to accumulating this knowledge and like put that towards wanting to be correct about predicting the end of the world i think is just like a total abdication of um any responsibility and also just like a really depressing way to live your life so i guess i do i guess hope is it part of it for me I guess I must yeah. it's just that I don't feel hope but it must be there no it is there. it's also as well it's like basically as well it's one of those things where it's like you you know it's like before you live in a before you get to basically live in a in a, a queer life by moving to a city and living a queer life it's like that you that then you're like oh just all these straight people and then you get to the point where you're like I haven't seen a straight person in I haven't had a okay oh my god wait two seconds when's the last time you had a face to face conversation with a straight person Fuck. <laughs> All of the people that I can think of, I'm like, uh, they're like primarily opposite sex attracted, but they're definitely queer. Okay, so last time I had a face to face, so like through media doesn't count. No, um, not through media. Like, when was the last time you physically were with like a you know just a normal like in a normal way with the person who was just an actual an actual proper bona fide heterosexual. Um, including service, people working in service, not including no, people. no. Yeah. It has to be someone just that your actual friend, like not one of not the ones in the wild don't count. Because I have lots of friends who are mostly opposite sex attracted, but very few who identify as. Yep. So no. Yeah, go on. Go on. No, so it's been a really, time? really long time. Yeah, a really, really, really long time. How long? How long? Uh, I don't know. Was it in December? <laughs> I, I don't... Honestly. Okay. Okay. So look, it's like the script writers are like, hmm, one queer person, in a, more, than, more than one queer person in a circle of friends is unrealistic. We haven't seen, neither of us have been a straight person for three months. Okay. Now, scroll back to like when you were like 15 years old and queer. Okay. Well, like I was even in a situation where there wasn't even, like I was at a school of a thousand people and there wasn't even another queer person there. I was the only person who had ever come out at my high school when I came out. And I was out for How a year. How many people? 
600. And then okay. I was out for a year before I met another gay person. Right. This is just it. This is completely insane. So it's like, so it's, a, so the thing is though, is that, and now you don't, we don't think about these things on a day-to-day basis kind of thing, but there was a certain point where there was this, like, complete burning desire, this, like, complete impossibility of, like, I have to be somewhere where there's other people like me. or there, And I hope for this. Like, I can't be the... There was a sensation, there was a hope that I can't be the only one, you know? And it's like... And that's like... That is, like, then you feel hopeful because it's like a candle in the darkness. But mm-hmm. now you live in a house where you've got, like... You know, where you now you've got a house where you've got a, a wonderful, a, you know, a delightful array of lamps. Yeah, they're so beautifully arranged. <laughs> and so the candle is still, the candle is still like lit, but you yeah. don't see it in the same way. Ah, uh, Gloop, you like, you, <laughs> you have this, yeah, you have a really, really, I guess this is why I do the podcast with you. you have, <laughs> Are they giving you hope? Yeah, you have a way of like reframing things that like really really helps me. Um, I I think also it reminds me of when, like Zizek's um, explanation of why he believes, I can never remember if we've talked about stuff on this podcast before, but like, who cares? Um, why he like believes and supports trans people, which is that he mm. said uh, that it wasn't going through some sort of essentialism. He found, he finds that part of it less, um, uh, like less convincing. Uh, like, you know, mm-hmm. like I, you know, like I always had like, like a, like a non-binary soul or whatever. But he said yeah. um, that like, uh, that being trans is uh, like a, it's a choice, but he says it's like, it's a really radical choice. And this is his reason for supporting it because like for the, all of the most important choices in our lives, they don't appear to us as choices. Uh, Mm. So he says, he uses the example, for example, if your country gets invaded and then you join the resistance, that doesn't appear to you to be a choice. It's just something that you have to do. Um, uh, But Mm. because so he says any really important choice has to happen on the subconscious level, um, on the unconscious Mm. level. Um, And so uh, he says, like, when uh, when we're trans, we choose ourselves and that this is a deeply radical like uh, and Mm. uh, and. To be congratulated, choice, and I really love this um, this idea because it gets beyond this essentialism, um, and also gets beyond some of this sort of like uh, neoliberal, like gender, uh, what's the word, gender gender consumerism, where you can pick and choose who you are. But it's like that. It's like a choice that appears on like below the conscious level, and it's one in which you choose to be the kind of person that you want and need to be in the world. And I, I think this is a beautiful idea. And I'm wondering maybe if my hope is unconscious in that same way. Because very, very often I don't feel hopeful, but like there is something that drives me towards Definitely. like believing that the world could be better. And when was the last time that you made a piece of art, a performance art on a public platform that where you didn't insist on advocating some kind of left-wing politics? Uh, probably the last time I saw a straight person. <laughs> <laughs> they were in the audience. As in, as in, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, so, oh, I'm not sure if I'm hopeful. Or, this is like when people are trans people, like, I'm not really, like, uh, I saw a really good meme being like, hmm, uh, she wondered it. Hmm. 
Am I really trans? She wondered as she stabbed a syringe full of estrogen into her thigh. Yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of like this sort of like, it's also that is the, uh, in you know, our favourite, our favourite, favourite, favourite ever, uh, Mark Fisher, uh, Mark Fisher creature experience. He says about the weird and the eerie, that something that is weird is a fundamentally unfinished ontology as well. And I feel that hope is not something that gives you um, satisfaction. You know, I don't think hope is something that gives you satisfaction, but it's not, it's something that you, you, you and it's not going to make you feel self-satisfied in that sense. Actually, it's a certain longing or a lack, but it's also kind of beautiful and it's also kind of melancholic. And it's also just kind of something that's, that's like, bright and true and it's just something that just should exist simply because it's beautiful so and that it can do that and that people are like and that um that i don't know it's sort of kind of like like i don't know something like something imagine some ridiculous household object like a bonsai tree that's like completely ridiculous people are like do you really think this is possible as this the people are asking you like why should i have a bonsai tree in my house why should i commit myself to this why should i have you know, it's kind of like, why, and it's also a bit like, and then, uh, because, and the answer is because living in the, this plain and ugly way that you are is bad and you know it. And that's why you're asking. But like, it's also as well, is that then it's kind of like, can you, it's like, I mean, maybe it's like, can you, I mean, maybe as well, it's maybe, maybe there is, you know what I hope for? I hope that I can change people's minds in 2021 because it's just kind of one of these things that I get up and I hope I can, I hope I can help people decide on a subconscious level or move on a subconscious level towards these things because it's you know it's this thing like you said when you when you argue with someone on social media it's very rare you're going to be able to convince them but you might convince people who are watching it Mm -hmm. kind of thing and so i feel that if there's anything i can get people uh if i hope for it's to get people to subconsciously commit to actually believing in uh in changing the world or in moving towards these things and at least even creating the space for these larger conversations to happen. That's beautiful. I think I actually have arrived uh, at a place where I, I got what I wanted from this conversation. I really, thank you so much. Eric got everything you well, got everything you need. What have you got from this conversation? Have you got hope? What are you hopeful for? What are you now hopeful for? What are you hopeful for now in the now that there's been some so yeah? I have to say actually, lol, I thought this was the lamest fucking theme when you suggested it at first, and now I'm completely into it. So actually, well done. <laughs> <laughs> I think I hope for um I hope to be able to be close to people. I like I think this is all this whole situation is making me very romantic about like human connection and why like embodied human connection is so important. I thought like it would be so nice to be on a really packed train and just to be pressed up against everyone. Um, <laughs> like, Cause you know, there's this thing on, on a really, really packed train where you like freak out. Like I, I would like freak out. Cause obviously I have a lot of anxiety in public space and like, where I'm like, fuck, I'm being pressed up against everyone. This is so uncomfortable. And then you have that moment where you just go, or, and you just relax and you enjoy like being pressed against so many bodies. Uh, and I, I like, I, I don't know, I, that, I'm thinking of that, something about that is a hope that I have. Um, and yeah, I think it's the same hope. I wanna, I want to make, I want to change people's minds. I want to like, 
I, I think a really nice thing to hope for as a performer is just to be a catalyst for a realization of the audience's own. Like mm. I would, I would love to be like, like the catalyst agent for someone to have like a really like important sort of like thought to themselves that has, may have nothing to do with uh, like something that I say or do on a stage. Yeah. And that's also because like, um, so when I, I was getting this massage earlier and when you have emotional experiences, they get trapped in the body basically. Yes. So if you have, uh, if you don't shake it off. So uh, if you're, uh, if you're tense uh, in some way, like, I mean, I mean, I know, you know, but just also just in case a listener doesn't know something like that. Yeah. Or, and, and, and so you understand and so the specific, but like, so I was just thinking when is the massage is happening in this tension, I was like, my brain was like, really like my thoughts are going like a hundred miles an hour and like all these things. And there was just, I was thinking about like tattoo shops and loads of random stuff I hadn't thought about for ages. And there was just all this like anxiety that I'd been holding in these muscles like deeply and that, um, and that they, and it got released. And this was a really, really nice thing as well. And it's the certain times that, um, that I've seen artists and performers who are saying their things in the way that they're saying them and it, that they've done, that they've created some kind of, it's also not necessarily what they're saying or doing, but they've created some kind of commitment. Mm-hmm. And that moves me deeply and it allows me as well to have that sort of experience. And that also it's just, so, it's so interesting because just like, um, I had to do something as a performer and I had to, do, I've had to do rehearse for a live stream performance I've got to do. And I realized I have not performed, uh, since March last year, or if not February, actually, I've not done a proper performance that I'm used to in myself in over a year, no, in almost a year. Yeah. In almost a year. And I was just like, it was just this, it was like, sh- wow, it was a really shocking realisation. Yeah. Wait, like, any final thoughts on hope? Anything that you've realised from this discussion? <sighs> Despite being a council estate bitch who probably owes me money, I'm actually quite cool with hope. <laughs> I mean, hope is chat, yeah. which is to say yeah. council house and violence. Yeah. But at least there's one thing me and Hope can agree on, which is it's fine to hit your kids. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> See, this is one of the things that I love about really, 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 really mean humour is that you can never believe that someone could say something so horrible, and that really does reveal to you a whole new world. That's a terrible note to leave on. <laughs> but I guess we're going to leave it there anyway. <laughs> okay, I mean, well, it's, like, it's either a regime of beating your children or a desperate commitment to revolution. It's your choice, listeners. Yeah, well, thank you very much for listening. <laughs> uh, what about you? Lot. What are your final things on hope? You have to see, Olympia, you don't have to leave it that way. This doesn't, my, my meanness doesn't have to be the new normal. You yeah. can flip the script. <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> I think that, I think I've just realised that I am, that maybe like where hope is in me is maybe somewhere different to where I thought it was and that it is there. And that's nice. Yeah. Oh. That's, that's, that's how I'm feeling about hope. It's that yeah. part of you that just can't wait to be inside that packed public transport, just like <laughs> squidging up. Say so you're oh scared God. of body odors. Oh, you want it, you dirty bitch. I'm such a weirdo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. I I love talking about this with you, is in gloop. It's a pleasure to uh, bring enter this new brave new year. 
uh, with you via our podcast, Slurry. Thank you very much for mm. uh, joining with us, uh, dear listeners. Uh, share this on, uh, if you like this, share it on uh, Instagram. That, uh, that really helps uh, broaden our reach. And uh, can't wait to work, like, I don't know, talk to you on Grindr sometime, I guess. Can't wait to send us some dick pics. <laughs> whole pics, whole pics. Yeah, like actually whole sending unsolicited nudes to us yes. on Grindr are fine. Or? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like any that. platform. I mean, print them out and post it against my window. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Like, right. Just wait, just wait at Herman's Draster S bar when I'm walking by. Scream, I love slurry and jump on me. It's fine. Yeah, perfect. Well, uh, ciao, dear listeners, and bye, glue. Mm-hmm. Ciao, Bella. Bye.